Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Also, School of the Supernatural starts this uh, Tuesday. For those that are keen and interested, please see Rob and Bess. That's going to start up a new term. So you can taste and see. If you think, oh, what's, the, what's it about? Come and taste and see. Um, and it is $199 for the term. But come and taste and see. That's free for the first night. All right. So if you're interested for that, it starts this Tuesday. Prayer meeting starts at 6.30. So that's open to the whole church, just in case you didn't know. The whole church is invited to come and pray from 6.30 to 7.30. So you think, oh, when does the church pray? Well, that's one of the times it prays. There's a lot of times we pray, but it's one of the times we try to gather everybody. So if you can be there, we'd love to have you 6.30 to 7.30. And last of all, I'm told to tell you Sal and Laurie misses you dearly. Uh, It's their second week on holiday, and he's missing everyone already. And so he sends his love. If you're watching, we love you, Sal. And Laurie. Wonderful. Do you have your Bibles? I, I, I've been preparing this message for a couple of weeks. And I mean, it's something that's been on my, on my heart for a, a number of years, the actual thought. And I thought I need to one day look into the Word of God and study and prepare this message. And um, we, we are talking about heart for the house. And it is having a heart for the house. That's really the underlining theme. If you want to put that thing up there, you're welcome to do that. Heart for the house, because we're, we're going to receive an, an offering next Sunday morning, and I'll explain really the heart of it to this message. Um, but what my title of the message will be, technically it is giving to a king. What is it like to give to a king? Now, we, we're ultimately giving to Jesus as our king, and, and, and I thought about the whole concept of what do you give to a king that has everything. Think about it for a second. Jesus is the creator of the universe. God in the flesh. He created everything. He's got everything. I mean, heaven is well looked after. Heaven is not stretched in its finances. It's not, it's not uh, we don't have the resources to build that. I mean, they just build everything with gold, transparent gold. That's what they walk on in heaven. And the magnificent city of God is magnificent. The, the, the foundations is made out of precious stones, 12 foundations. So there's no lack in heaven. And then we also know that Jesus says, pray this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we bring a gift to the king or a king, how do you, how do you, how do you bring a gift to a king that has everything? How does it move the king? How, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you show the king your love and your appreciation? I believe it's, it's not the amount that we give to the king. It's what it means to you when we give that to the king. So it's not necessarily the gift or the amount of the gift because the king has everything. He's not looking at the amount. He's looking at, does it move you? What does it mean to you? Did it stretch you? Did it mean something to you? Did it cost you something? Some, we in the natural, let's be honest, we get impressed with... Big amounts. So if you, I don't know, I'm just being really, really honest. I know, I know, we're talking about finances and money and everything. Jesus, this is Jesus, your king, your lord, your, the one you're following, your master, my master. It, we're, we're, we're disciples of him. We're learning from him. He, one time, I don't have the guts to do this, but he sat down and the offering box was there in front of everybody. 
and wanted to watch people give. Think about that for a second. That's pretty bold, don't you reckon? Maybe if I put a box here and I said, okay, everyone, we're all going to give an offering and I'm going to watch you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll never do that, but I'm just saying our Lord did that. And he used, as, he used it as an example, right? Because we're impressed that if someone gave, I don't know, if someone gave $1,000 cash, you'd go, wow, and you, you might give, I don't know, $100. I'm just using numbers just to make an example, nothing to do with money. You might go, wow, that guy gave $1,000. God knows what he has left. Yeah. If he's making a million dollars a year income, $1,000 doesn't move him. It actually doesn't move God. It doesn't impact God. It does, God. God's heart isn't affected as much as $100 when it was your all. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's exactly what we see here. If you look at Mark chapter 12, in verse 41, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. That's where they took the offering. And saw, he saw on purpose, he sat next to it and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. People that were rich gave a lot, big amounts. Then one poor widow, widow means she doesn't have a husband, she doesn't have anyone to provide for her. She's not able to earn for herself either in those days. Came and threw in two mites or two small pennies which make a quandrance, different monetary value there. So, but it's a very, very small amount. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, now, now he tells the disciples, come over here and I'll just talk to you about this. I want you to see something here. And he says, assured I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. Now the amount wasn't more, but spiritual impact was more. How it influenced God's heart. Because we're talking about the spiritual amount. The, what it cost her. Because it cost her everything, it, it, it really moved the heart of God. So we're not talking about amounts. Right? Please hear what I'm saying. The whole heart of what we're saying. As a pastor, I would hate anyone to give out a necessity and out of obligation. Never would want you to give out a necessity and obligation. And I wouldn't want you to uh, give without a revelation of of the heart of God and want to, I want to express my love to him. I want to show him how much I love him. I don't want anyone to give out of necessity. We do even, we're talking about the tithing from last week. Um, you know, the whole, the whole purpose of the tithe um, is the Bible is very clear about it. I talked about the pattern in the Bible. God gives us instruction in the Bible. It tells us what we do with the tithe. The tithe, that 10% is a test, yes. But what does God do with it? He says, set it apart. It's holy unto the Lord because he uses it for a particular purpose. It's for the Levitical priesthood to take care of the house of God. The tabernacle, the tent. And they were to worship. They were priests. They were musicians. They were worship leaders. They, they sacrificed the animals. There were thousands of thousands of them. There was 11 tribes. They all worked the ground, agriculture, and they brought 10%. That's 110%. Never thought about that. God takes care of them way more. It's abundant for them when everyone tithes so that they can dedicate themselves to the work of God. So that's the purpose of the tithe. We understand that. We do that regularly. Every increase that we all get, we bring it to God out of honor because God says that belongs to me. I believe with all my heart when you, the first fruit is holy, the whole lump becomes set apart and holy for God. When you give to God the first 10%, everything else is anointed, blessed, protected, the devourer is protected. You wonder why is the devourer keep attacking my finances? You answer that to God. Now, I don't think tithing fixes it all by itself because I think you've got to have other issues in your heart right too. 
if you're full of unbelief and, 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 and I don't know, selfishness and greed and, and, and full of unbelief, you're speaking doubt and unbelief over your finances, that's not going to be helpful. So that's the tithe. We understand that. We're talking about a one-off free will offering to the king. Now, where, where do you get that in the Bible? When, when God spoke to David to build him a temple, Solomon's temple, you know Solomon's temple, God says, this is a good thing you wanted to do it, but because you're a man of war and there's blood on your hands, I don't want you to do it, I want your son to do it. So his son was called by God to build a temple. And this one was a free will offering. So please, when I'm sharing this whole message, please filter it through the lenses of a free will. Free will means God saying to his people, it's freely given. You don't have no obligation, no necessity to give. God's not going to love you more. He's not going to love you. know what I mean? He's not going to love you. It doesn't, God's love doesn't change. Our love doesn't change. Your, your acceptance in the community won't change at all in God's people or God's eyes, but it's a free will offering. That's what God calls it in the Bible when they gave to the temple. And by the way, just for those that um, have, I don't know, problems with, oh, how can you spend all this money on, I don't know, physical things where we can give money to the poor? All these, some people have wrong mindsets. Do you know how much the temple cost for Solomon's temple? Probably in the $200 billion. Crazy to think. There was tons of gold put into that temple. And, and, and God, not was just okay with it, he instructed it. He wanted all this gold, the silver and the precious metals. And not to mention, it was, I think it took about seven years to construct. And not to mention the labor. We're not even talking about the labor costs. It's billions of dollars for them to worship God. See, God doesn't think lack. He just thinks abundance. He really, really does. Uh, look, look what he says here. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. This widow who has no husband to take care of her, she's poor, she's, she's got too much. I mean, it would have been a sacrifice to her because she's thinking, okay, I probably won't be able to eat tomorrow and I probably won't be able to buy food for the next day and after that I've probably got no more money at all but I still will give all that I've got to live on, I'm going to give this to God. What's even, I don't know, what's a powerful thought to think about? Jesus accepted it. Jesus goes, hang on, I said, no, no, here, widow, give it back to her. But Jesus let her give to God because he knew that God would take care of her. But Jesus was trying to use this as an object lesson to say, she's given more than all the ones out of, the Bible says they gave out of their surplus. Surplus. Surplus means that they're so blunderly blessed and I've got, a, I've got so much left over, it won't affect me. It won't inconvenience me at all. It's not going to even be a sacrifice to me. I'll give big amounts, but it won't even mean anything to me. It'll impress people, but it won't mean anything to me. So it doesn't move the heart of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? How do you give a gift to a king? If it moves you, it'll move him. It's, more not, it's not so much what you give, the amount. It's more what's left over that God's looking at. Because that determines the level of sacrifice. That It's like expressing our love for God. It's showing God, well, God, I really want your kingdom to be established. And Jesus used this example, and it's been a powerful example throughout time that people have preached on for many, many years. What do you do when you give to a king? I've learned... We give to the poor and we should, 100% should. Jesus said we should. The Bible says we should. And, and we're, we're sort of lean towards if there's a need and someone's in trouble, we, will, we, we, gotta, we rally to that and we should. The Bible teaches us to do that. 
but there's, a, there's another type of giving. There's many, many ways of giving. The other type of giving is when you give out of honor. You give to a king out of honor. Or let me say it this way. When someone's doing well and preaching the, world, the gospel well and preaching the gospel and they seem like they've, they're, they're, they're doing well, but you give to them out of honor, they do even better. They're more influential. That's in the Bible too. I can show you. I'm going to try to unfold that and show you because giving to a king is very different than just giving to a need. A need is very important. We always do that. The poor is always going to be with us, Jesus said. We should always give to the poor. Um, when Jesus was born, just a quick picture. It's Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. You know the story. The Magi came from the east. Some people say they were... We don't know for sure. All we know is that the Bible calls them magi. We don't know 100% who they are. Some people think that they're kings in their own right. Other people believe that they're astrologers. They were astrologers to some degree because they were looking at the star. They were looking at the star aligning the orbits of the stars that reflected the light. And actually, you can, you can go back, because I can do this in, in this reading the stars. It was seven years before Jesus was born. Uh, not seven years, seven before Christ, and then two years of that alignment, and then four or five years when they say before Christ, that's when we say Jesus was born. So th th that alignment is there. You can see it over the east in uh, Asia area, and it went over into Jerusalem, that actual star. They can depict it today, accurately, because the Bible is accurate, always. But these guys somehow followed, and the Bible says they gave gold, myrrh, and incense to Jesus. And it wasn't when he was born. It was about a year later. I won't go into the details of that. But we say there were three wise men, don't we, the story. But there's no, the Bible doesn't say three wise men. The Bible says they gave free, free gifts. So we interpret it as I must have been free, free men. It just says magi from the east. Some historians say as, as many as 600 people traveled. And they would have traveled for two weeks with camels. And, and entourages and, and, and caravans and, and they would have brought not just it doesn't, it doesn't tell us of the amount of gold but I believe they brought gold fit for a king I do believe, I really believe they didn't bring a little bit of gold I believe God made sure that his son was taken care of from the time, not exactly when he was born because I believe it was about a year later it says they brought gold, myrrh and incense and it was also symbolically saying the three gifts had spiritual meaning. Gold as a symbol of kingship on the earth. Frankincense is an incense as a symbol of deity. And myrrh, an embalming oil, as a symbol of death. This dates back to the origin of a certain place and talks about that gold always represents kingship and, and, and the myrrh represents embalming the dead. So it was prophetically a picture of him being God, being deity, and, uh, and, being, and, and dying for our sins. But when it says they brought gold, it doesn't tell us the amount of gold. I personally believe it's a massive amount. On top of that, Joseph was a carpenter. He was a builder. In those days, that was one of the highest ranking jobs, highest well-paid income. He would have been a wealthy man already. We just get a picture that, you know, oh, he, had, he got, was born in a manger. He must have been poor. No. They, couldn't, they didn't have a room in the inn. He had money. He, booked the, he went to the front desk and said, can I um, book a room? There's no room left. He had money to buy an inn. He was going to have a baby in a hotel. Joseph was known as a carpenter. That means he wasn't just a hopeless carpenter. He was a builder. He, he, was, he was actually quite wealthy. I believe he was well taken care of. 
And yet God saw fit to bring gold to a, to a king. Solomon, you know Solomon is one of the wealthiest, wealthiest kings of all time. And in, see, in the king, when you, when you, we don't understand um, kingdoms these days because we live in a democracy and so on. But in, when you're a king, the, the, the wealth of your kingdom represents your glory. That's why they portray it. That's why they, they build the throne with gold and they build the rooms with their silver and there's all precious stuff and they want to show people how powerful they are by their wealth. It's just it's a normal thing to do. And they used to give gifts to each other. And you don't visit a king without bringing a gift. That's also a normal culture. When you visit a, gift, a, a king, you always bring a gift to express to them your glory, your power as a king. And show you the glory of my kingdom, but I want to to express to you my gratitude for your kingdom. So we know the story of Queen Sheba. She goes to, she hears all about the glory of King Solomon, the wisdom, and she had so many questions. She says, no, surely it can't be. She had amazing rumors that spread throughout the whole world. Queen Sheba finally said, I'm going to pack all my caravans. I'm going to bring a massive entourage. I'm going to bring a massive gift. You know, the Bible actually tells us the amount of gold she brings to King Solomon. Remember, King Solomon is already the wealthiest king in the earth. She brings 120 talents of gold, equivalent to these days. Gold is 1,400 or something an ounce. You convert it to being $118 million gift from one queen to a king. It's, it's the honor to express the queen's appreciation to the king. And she brings, that's just the gold, not to mention the myrrh. She brought spices. There was never brought so much spices into into King Solomon like the way she did. She was impressed by his wisdom. She was impressed by everything. And the Bible said before Queen Sheba left, she says, man, the half of it wasn't told. And she was almost without spirit. She almost lost. She was so touched and so impressed by the wisdom of the king. That, and the Bible actually says King Solomon gave gifts to Queen Sheba and, and, and something like um, her heart's desire. Gave her her every heart's desire. When you give to a king, you never outgive a king. Because it's to their glory to show you greater appreciation. If you bring a gift to a king, he's going to go, okay, well, you, you, you're trying to outgive me? I'll show you how glorious I am. And he outgives you. It's just the way the king operates. It's the normal procedure. It's actually a normal culture in kingdom giving. But we, if we only see, oh, but, you know, but I just give to when I see a need. So when we see a need and we see the poor, it's a, it's a very important thing to do that. Please hear my heart. We feel good about that because I'm feeling a need. I feel, and it actually feeds my insecurity to some degree because I'm now needed. I'm important because I helped that situation. I helped this person out. Now, well, how important I am. Now, it's not the only reason why we give. We need to give regardless. But it's even greater to give out of honor and for the king, to the king. If we don't do it the way I believe it's in the Bible, and I'm looking at it and studying and looking at the examples, we'll end up only giving to need. And we'll say things like, oh, no, they, they, look, they, look, they, they look prosperous. They won't need my money. And you, you lose the principle that if they're doing the job well and they're preaching the gospel and they're impacting thousands, if you give to the ones that are doing, they're going to impact millions. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to bring it down to earth, help us understand what I'm trying to show us the story in John chapter 12, really quickly, is a story of Mary Magdalene, John chapter 12. And in this case, I personally believe, you can look at it, um, Mary did this once before. I believe it was her. 
uh, earlier in Jesus' ministry because she got the demons come out of her. Seven demons, the Bible says, came out of her. She was so set free. She's so excited. She gets the alabaster box and pours it on Jesus. This is in someone else's house. Now it's at, it could be at Martha, Mary and uh, Lazarus's home in uh, Bethany. It's near the end because he's about to go to the cross. We know it's after the resurrection of Lazarus because it actually tells us then six days before the Passover, that's before Jesus' Passover and he actually gives his life for, the, for, for, the, for all of humanity. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, this is Mar- Mary's brother was dead. You know how, how moved they were. And they thought, oh, no, Lord, if you were here, you wouldn't, wouldn't have died. And Jesus raises him from the dead. So imagine how grateful as a sister should be that Jesus gave her dead brother back to life to her. There, there they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of sp- spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance and oil. Out of love and out of appreciation and out of the fact that, oh, I, just, I love Jesus so much, I want to show him how much I love him. He's, she's bringing a gift. When it says very expensive, in another translation it says 300 denarii worth, which is a denarius is a day's wage. So we're talking 50,000 Australian dollars. In a perfume bottle. She didn't care about the amount. Can you notice that this costs her something? It means something to her. It's not like nothing. This is costly. And she doesn't care because she wants to show Jesus how much she loves her. And she falls at his feet weeping, crying and, and showing, I love you, Jesus. You're so amazing. She's so grateful. And the fragrance, I love that. When you worship Jesus, fragrance comes. When you give God that worship, when you give God what he's deserving, just the fragrance of heaven comes. And that's the perfume, but I, give, I believe it's a picture of our worship to God. And uh, listen to this. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, man, he's got nerve to say this when you think about the context. Because he doesn't see. I mean, I, I, read it, I read it like this. I'm just going to be honest how I read it. When I read it, I think uh, it says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarius? And given to the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. He's, he's fabricating it. He's making it look like he really loves the poor. He really cares for the poor. He's actually very religious and, and trying to be and trying to f- frame it with spirituality. He says, then he, then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box. He was in, t- he was in charge of the treasury. And he used to take what was put in it. He used to steal from the Lord. Seriously, he did. The Bible says he used to take from the treasury box. Now, he didn't care for, the, for that, but he just thought, I, I think to some degree he must have thought, there's a lot of ministry uh, expenses, and we need to go to Jerusalem, we need to go to other cities, and I know the expenses, I'm, I'm in charge of the treasury. He wasn't in charge because he's stupid, he's in charge because he's probably had a, a gift for this. God, Jesus doesn't put him in charge because he goes, I know he's a thief, I want, I want him to steal from me. He would have had a gifting, he would have an anointing, but Jesus trusts him. Jesus is like that. Jesus knew that he would steal. I don't believe Jesus didn't know. But he still gives him the charge of this. And I believe, to some degree, he starts to think. And he thinks he's right. He's got a perspective about this. This is definitely a waste. Why waste this on Jesus? We could use this money and pay bills, expenses, where we've got places to go and places to preach. And this is just wrong in his mind. He's angry. I'm telling you, he's actually angry. 
How do I know that? Because it said then he went and betrayed Jesus. At that point, filled with anger. That's it. That's, I've, had, I've had enough of this. And he goes and sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Because he thinks he's right. And look at this. I, I picture Jesus. Jesus, look at Jesus' response is very important. And, and at first I thought, that imagine if Jesus said, yes, it's true. You have the poor. You shouldn't sacrifice this money amount, a whole year's wage for the son of the living God who came from heaven, who created the whole universe, who paid the price for humanity, who's about to go to the cross, who's about to die on the cross and save everyone's soul from hell for all eternity. Yes, you shouldn't do this for, for me because you've got to take care of the poor right now. Imagine that was his response. But it wasn't because he's saying, no, she, he actually says, let her alone. Like, leave her alone. Because some of the disciples, in other translations, other versions, I think Matthew or Mark says, the disciples said this. So they did discuss this. It wasn't just Judas. Judas is the one that spoke up. Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Well, he was precious to him. She doesn't even know it, but she's become prophetic. She's not aware that she's doing this out of love. She's doing this out of worship, but she just became prophetic. She's preparing my body for the burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. To Jesus, it wasn't a waste. He could have said, oh, yeah, that's true. Judas, you've got a good point there. It's a waste. Sell it. Now, that's a poverty mindset if you ask me. Sell it right now and let's take care of the poor. That's a poverty mindset. It's like there's, not, there's, no, there's no more left over. No, there's abundance in the kingdom. Jesus said, fine, leave her alone because she's doing this for the burial. I mean, it's a perfect example. It's a really good example because sometimes we can have that mindset. And that's where people, I, I've, I've read stuff and I, I, I don't recommend this, but I, I, it grieves me when I see things on the internet that attack churches that have buildings. So where are we going to meet then? You know what I'm saying? And, and you, again, it's, oh, but it's a millions of dollars, it's millions of dollars. Solomon's temple was $200 billion. Just the materials. It's in the billions and billions. And God doesn't have a problem with it. It's the Bible. There's, you know what I'm saying? There's many, 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 many wealthy people in the Bible that were wealthy and still loved God. David, King David, I won't get ahead of myself, but he gave uh, from his own personal gold billions of dollars to the building of the temple. Not just to mention uh, he, he raised money for the temple. I think it was about 100 something uh, talents, uh, so thousands of talents of gold, but his own was uh, hundreds, of th hundreds of talents or something. We can read it later. So when you give to a king, because of the king's glory, you just, there's, there's a principle that he's, al he's almost out of love, he's obligated. I found this with the Lord. I found all my life I can never outgive him. It's, I'm telling you honestly. I'm almost ashamed of his goodness sometimes. I have to almost justify, oh, well, this is because the Lord has done this, and, and this, is how he's done, this is how he's given us this. And it's like, because people can misjudge you. But that's the blessings and the, pre the provision of our Lord, our King. A lot, and on one hand, you know people are going to judge you wrongly. On the other hand, people go, well, um, if you've put these principles into practice for 30-something years, where's the blessings? Well, there's everywhere. God's blessed us, big time. Matthew chapter 10, verse 41 says, Whoever receives a prophet, because he is God's messenger, will share a prophet's reward. A prophet who stands on behalf of God, is anointed of God, he speaks on God's behalf, 
there's a reward following him. And it says, if you receive a prophet, because he's a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a good and godly man, because he follows me, will also share in his reward. This is connected. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of my humble disciples, meaning the prophet or one of these good, good and godly men, I promise you he would not go unrewarded. He's actually saying, even water. It's like God is so meticulous about rewarding you taking care of the men, women that are doing righteous things, that are preaching the gospel. If you, there's a reward following them. That's no doubt because of their labor, because of their work. God's going to reward them. But if you, give, if you give to those people, it says even water will be rewarded. It actually says you connect to the reward. In other words, I've, over the years, we've learned to give to where good ground is. Because if they're already preaching the gospel, it doesn't matter. I don't look how much money they've got or how, how, how wealthy their ministry is. If they're preaching the gospel, and I trust them, there's integrity, I give to them because they're doing already a great job. As a church, we gave an offering to Hillsong. Why? When we were at the Hillsong Conference? Because they're already doing a great job. You say, oh yeah, but they're billions of dollars. No, they're doing a great job. So we give and sow a seed and empower those that are already doing a great job to do a greater job. That's what I'm talking about giving to kings. Giving out an honor. Yes, we give out a need. 100%. Yes, we give to the poor. Paul, Jesus says, you have with you always. You can do to them good anytime you want to. Me, you don't have with you. That's what Jesus said. In other words, you should be taking care of the poor all the time. And we as a church do it. And I love, I mean, talking about Hillsong. But Hillsong, over the whole history, have together um, adopted 100,000 compassion children. That's phenomenal. 100,000. And yet people criticize them and judge them. And we've done hundreds over the years, but not 100,000, probably, probably 100, I don't know, altogether. And I know maybe there's way more. I know a lot of us have children that we're taking care of. So there's something powerful about when you take care of a prophet or a man of God or a righteous person, there's a reward attached to them. So when you give to them, it connects you to that reward. That's what that water is talking about. Truly, you will not lose your reward. There is a scripture. If you don't believe me, I'll, I'll give you the scripture. I trust you do believe me. But I just want to show you the scripture. Where do I write it down? Deuteronomy 12, verse 11. When I studied about tithing many, many years ago, it says very clearly, and Deuteronomy 12, 11 says this, bring the tithing, bring the offering and all this. Bring it to where my name is. He goes, bring your tithe to the place where my name is being upheld. What does that say? It's saying the name of God or the name of Jesus means where there's freedom, where there's deliverance, where there's healing, where my gospel is preached, the name of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom. Where people are finding freedom and deliverance, bring your tithe there. Why? To enhance what they're doing. If you bring it to people that there's no life, there's no forgiveness of sin, there's no gospel, there's no salvation, there's no healing, there's no deliverance, and you bring it to them, you power them to do nothing. Please hear what I'm saying. It's the principle that's in the Bible. So hang on a second, Leo. I don't I don't know if I'm following you. Well, there's, an, there's a parable in the Bible. It's found in Matthew. That's that one. I wrote it down here too. Actually, Luke. It's in Luke. Uh, I think it's 18. I didn't write it down because I looked it up last minute. It, this revelation will just keep coming and coming. And um, no, here it's in actually Luke 19. He says, and he said to him, this is at the end of the parable, and you'll know what I'm talking about in a second. And he said to those who stood by, take the miner 
or the talent, that's an amount of money, from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. It's a big amount of money. That's the story of God giving, uh, Jesus used an example of a master giving talents. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a big amount of money. One, and the guy was so scared to do nothing with it, he hid it into the ground. The other one that had two, he did something with it, put it to work, and he made four. And the other one that had five made ten. And that, at the end of that story, because the guy goes, I knew you were a steward, man. I knew you reap where you don't sow. And I was afraid, so I, I hid it. And the Lord says, at your own words, I'm going to judge you. You knew I was an steward, man. You knew that I, I would keep you accountable. You should do something with what I've given you. Yeah, so I take the one from that one and give it to the one that's got ten. And the people says, hang on, Lord, look at this. Um, I, but they said to him, Master, he has ten. Why they say that? It looks unfair. It's not fair to take the one from the one and give it to the ten. It looks unfair. But imagine how the kingdom should operate. Imagine if he took, hang on, you got ten, you got one. Okay, let me take four, give it to you. Now you've got five and now you have six. We've evened it out. What happens to this guy that did nothing with the one? What's he going to do with the five? He'll do nothing with the five. It won't grow and it won't increase. The kingdom won't increase. You give that, take that one that didn't do nothing with it and you give it to the one that did something with the five, he'll make the one two. It's the way the kingdom increases. He who hath will be given even more because he's favoured what he's been given. And so that's the principle of giving to the kings. Because we're all kings, by the way. Do you know that? We're all kings and queens. Thank you. We're all kings and queens. And the principle in this, I want you to hear my heart. The principle of this too is not, I'm not just talking about giving to the King Jesus. Yes. But we're all kings and, and, and queens. Kings and queens. Did I say right? Yeah. And, and uh, Jesus says in Matthew 25, when you visit someone in prison, when you visit someone in hospital, when you visit someone and clothe the naked and you feed the poor, what are you doing? You're giving them a gift. You're giving them love. You're giving them your time. You're giving them clothing. You're giving them food. You're giving them gift. You do it to the least of these brothers and sisters. You've done it to me. When we give to one another, it's as if we give to Jesus. Jesus uses that example right there. When did we visit you in prison? And when did we? Yes, when you visited the least of my brothers, you actually visited me. He takes it personal because he's the head with the body. He sees himself as one with us. So we, we, if every time you visit one another's house, we've got to learn to be givers. We've got to change the culture. The world's not like that, but we've got to bring something. If it's, you know what I mean? Just bring, it's, it's, it's an expression of love and appreciation. You, you learn to be a giver. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I, will read, I want to finish with this. I'll read one scripture and we're going to... People have sacrificed, people have given. Um, for, well, the church has been going for 20-something years, 28 years, as you know. But even recently, we had a half of the house last year. And this is a one-off offering that we will, we will ask every year because I believe it's this one-off above our tithes and offering that we say, God, this is how much you mean to us, this is how much we love you, and we want to give to the King for the fervorance of the house of God. We're doing it for the sake of his kingdom. And um, people have done that up until where we are now. And that's why we're in this particular place. There's someone's sacrifice. It costs someone to say, you know, I'll, I'll live without here. Or, I'll, I'll give up this. And this means so much to me because I want to honor God. And, and I'll give this amount. And we all did something. 
See, if we all do something, you'll be surprised what we can accomplish together. If we leave it to a few, then I just, I just, it's, it's dear to my heart because I believe it actually reflects to some degree our heart to God. And let me read this. This is David leading the way to build a Solomon's temple. And he, he spoke about himself. He said, look, I've, I've dedicated, I've prepared my house and I've prepared and I've given with all my might, gold, silver and so on. And then he talks about how much he gave. He even says, moreover, because I set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I prepared for the holy house. That means he raised thousands of talents of gold. That was billions upon billions of dollars. And he says, now my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold. 3,000 talents of gold was, it's, it's, it's billions. He's willing just to give it because he wanted to see the kingdom grow. And let me just read this, his prayer at the end, his prayer of gratitude. To me, it reflects his heart, reflects his motives. It reflects his love for Jesus as king. And this is, first of all, he did it willingly. It's all free will, okay? No pressure. But freely, they, he says, I give freely. Then the leaders gave freely. And then they said, tell the people to give free will offerings. And he gave, the leaders gave, and then all the people gave freely. And then they all were excited. This is verse 9 in um, First Chronicles 29. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. Is that word? They offered willingly. The people rejoiced because with loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord and the king. David also rejoiced greatly. So you're not giving to a church. You're not giving to the leadership of this church. You're giving to the Lord. The way the Lord sees it, when we give to one another, we give to Him personally. If you see it as I've given it to you, there's something amiss in our hearts. You're not giving it to me, the church, the name of the church. You, you, we, I give. We give. Me and my wife. We give to the Lord. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, this is what his prayer was, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Now, if we have this attitude, we'll have that heart to, to want to give. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and all that is in earth is yours. Do we really believe that? Everything belongs to Him. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you, you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise you, your glorious name. But who am I? And who are your people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all, the, all these things come from you. See his heart? Who am I? Who are we that we're able to give this offering back to you? For all comes from you and of your own we have given you. Well, we're bringing back to you what you gave us anyway. That's how he viewed it. But we are aliens, pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow. I love that reality of we're here like a puff of smoke. We're here today, gone tomorrow. This, we're here for a short period of time. We are going to live in eternity forever. And Jesus says, you want, don't put your treasures here on the earth. Put your treasures on earth, in heaven. How do you do that? By giving. That's what he was talking about. And he says in verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build your house for your holy name is from your hand. It came from you and is all your own. 
I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know what it does to you, but it moves my heart to see the willingness of the people of God. It, it does something to release. Uh, I can't explain it. I want to explain it properly. Because I know Jesus came to die on the cross, pay the penalty, and all heaven is open for us. The heavens are open. You and I live under an open heaven. But positioning ourselves in obedience determines the reality of walking in it. Because I'm not healing the sick like Jesus has healed, has healed the sick. He said we can, but I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards that. I'm trusting God to see miracles like Jesus did. We're all doing that, I hope. Because Jesus says we all can do that. It's not just pastors, everyone. It's, just, it's something, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it reflects our heart attitude as we obey God. So God, I willingly offer this. Because we're dreaming together here. We're dreaming whether it's three years, four years, or five years, I'm trusting that we'll have to be five years here. But that we'll have a place that we actually call our own home and we own it. A place that's probably three times bigger than this. But we own it. Parking in Sydney, good parking. Facilities for children. I mean, the things that we need. And the establishing of the kingdom of God. We're a part of bringing this gospel to our community. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.